everybody. Thanks for coming to another episode of Adventures in Angular. I am the host, Aaron Frost. I work with Hero Devs, an expert-level team of consultants around Angular. On our panel, the other experts are everyone's favorite cheesehead dancing, <laughs> Mr. Michael. At a coffee shop? Where are you at? Yes, coffee shop. Yeah, I'm in a little coffee shop in Independence, Missouri, where occasionally a donkey team pulling a canvas-covered wagon will go by. Not even kidding. I wish I was. Wow. <laughs> but they have Wi-Fi. So with humans, or is just like a team? Yeah. I wish. I wish they were independent donkeys. <laughs> independent donkeys <laughs> happens all the time. That's a good band name. Oh my yeah. god! But yes, I am Alyssa Nichol, and I'm so glad to be here, Angular Developer Advocate for Kinder UI at Progress. That's me. Also, we have Jose Eames, Joe Eames. Yep, Joe Eames. I also work with Hero Devs, although not the company so much as just people who are devs who are heroes. Brandon Roberts, Aaron Frost, Alyssa Nichol. I work with them. They are all heroes yep. and devs. And I do uh, stuff with Thinkster.io. Yeah, lots of stuff, actually. All right, and then our guest, one of everyone's favorites for multiple reasons. We have Brandon Roberts. Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks man. Yeah, thanks for coming. We did uh, we did your Myangular story last yeah. week. So, yeah, it was fun. And uh, it's like, yeah, let's have him back to do the full podcast. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open sourced Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So tell everyone what you're up to. I mean, you got some changes going on in life to kind of talk about what's going on. Yeah, sure. So I was previously on the uh, Angular team doing, you know, documentation and writing the guides and tutorials and things like that. And recently I joined Narwhal. And for those who don't know, Narwhal is an enterprise consulting firm where we we have an awesome team of developers that help enterprise companies build apps at scale using monorepos and uh, proven development practices uh, pioneered at Google, Microsoft, and Facebook. So that's that's the pitch. So that's Matt Narwhal, awesome group of people. Glad to be a part of the team. How long have you been on the team? It's almost two months now, I believe. Yeah, and that two well, congrats, months is congrats. Yeah, two two months has flown by really quick. So uh, Joe and I, we were talking the other day, and um, we're concerned about Narwhal. They're not being very uh, inclusive <laughs> in the hiring practices. Mm-hmm. They seem to only be hiring like the best people. Oh, okay. So, um, well, I'm going to take that as a as a compliment then. Yeah, we're concerned, <laughs> about, it. We're concerned about it. I actually did reach or uh, Jeff uh, talked to me like a couple of years ago. I think back when they first got started, and see if we wanted to join then. Back then, well, me and uh, Mike were working together, and the time wasn't right then. But then the uh, opportunity came back around. But yeah, they got a 
it is very a very diverse group of people, which is nice. But everybody's extremely nice and extremely cool. So yeah, I mean, I think being led by Jeff or Victor, if everyone just kind of follows the leader, that's going to be a pretty cool group of people, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah everybody, like I said, Jeff and Victor are the you know the co-founders, and then uh, of course the people that they brought on, like everybody. Like I said, it's a diverse group of people. Very interesting. Everybody has like their passions and things that they like to contribute to, and you get to express those things, you know, as you're working at Nara because you you know you have your like your client work. It's a mix of client work and open source work. So you get to work on Narwhal open source projects, uh, whether that be NX or uh, Angular Console things like that. So you really get to pick what opportunity that you want to like dig in and contribute to. So. So that was one of the one of the things I was excited about when when I said when, when I was able to join the team. So uh, yeah, they they do have that that mix where it's like sometimes client work, sometimes other work. Mm-hmm. What are you doing as your other work? Like uh, any and NGRX or is it just all kind of narwhal open source stuff? It's narwhal open source uh, stuff. I mainly like I contribute some art, uh, recipes to our narwhal connect. And then I've done some stuff with the docs. Like we've, I don't know if every if people are familiar with this, but we've recently launched more support for React and uh, web components. So I did a good, a large update to the docs to kind of help new users who are interested in using NX for not just Angular or maybe they have like a multi-repo with or have a monorepo with different types of you know different tech stacks. So. Uh, it's better support for, like I said, Angular, React, and web components. In addition, like Node and Express, if you use those, it's like backend APIs. When are they going to be adding support for Knockout? Just curiosity. <laughs> uh, I don't know about Knockout. We'll have to. We'll not have on to, that team. That's not. Uh, you'll have to file an issue. Yeah, you'll have to file an issue. Oh, I'm we'll, doing it. We'll get. We'll get back Brandon, to you. Tell him to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the uh, the knockout, knockout horn? <laughs> knockout air horn right there. <laughs> what about jQuery support? We definitely need some of that too. Are you going to make it so that like NX can compete with Create React app? I don't know that it's competing with Create React app. I think it's going to provide the same set of functionality that React Create React React app does. Um, so wait, 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 wait. Explain, please. Like sure. from newing to. I don't see. I'm not 100 percent sure all the functionality in Create React app. Anyway, yeah, ditto. Yeah, so Create React app helps you. It basically builds and serves your uh, React application, but it doesn't necessarily provide any tooling around how you're going to build out. Yeah, it's like ng new. Like you still have to. It basically generates your app, and then I think it's pretty hands-off after that, with the exception of building and serving. They don't have, like, migration schematics that will move you from one version of Create React app to the next. Right. You don't use it for creating new components and pieces. Yeah, you don't, right. you don't like, add SaaS support or less support through it, right? Like, right. Yeah, that just has to be. And then you got to add your own loaders and jump. Yeah. And what NX does is... It lets you scaffold out a new React application, and then it lets you scaffold out components. And like I said, there's a migration or working on a migration path. So when you move to one version of NX to the next, we're working on support for Redux for you know trying to using the best practices there. Also, 
So it just provides a lot of tooling for React applications in addition to what's provided with NX out of the box, just as far as tracking dependencies and only building, building testing and like linting that uh, applications or libraries that have changed. So that infrastructure is still there. It's just building on top of that with uh, support for React to make it easier to, like you said, build React libraries and applications. So Lisa, uh, did you have a, you had a question, yeah? Yeah, it might be a dumb one. I'm confused because <laughs> NX isn't supposed to replace the CLI, right? Do you mean the Angular CLI? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, if you're primarily using Angular for development, then we still suggest you use the Angular CLI because it, it has more, I think, a lot more functionality, at least today, out of the box for Angular developers. But the NX CLI is more specific. Right now, it's more specific to React apps and web com- apps build with web components uh, to provide tooling for those. And uh, that's just to provide like I said, provide that subset of developers an option if they want to create, you know, build React applications but not necessarily use the NG infrastructure. So so just trying to provide some more support for those use cases. Now, React's nice and Angular's support, obviously, is important, but Svelte is going to be taking over the world. So when is Svelte support coming? <laughs> I know we have an open issue out for the next version of NX and... I think that was already mentioned there. So I, for I don't think it's on the current roadmap, or not the current roadmap, but the slated for the next release, but I'm pretty sure it's going to come back up at some point. So All it'll right. probably be something we'll take a look at. So can we ask some questions about NX? Because I'll admit to a little bit of ignorance about NX. Is that is that open game for the, the episode here, Aaron? Are we, are we cool to chat NX? Uh... Yeah, or are we only talking about all the awesomeness of Brandon? Is that the <laughs> only topic? I think the awesome Brandon net covers NX too, so we could okay. talk about that. <laughs> all right. So my real big question I think would be good to answer is, what are the criteria, what are the conditions that I should say, if you know I meet one or more of these conditions, I should be looking and thinking about getting more educated about NX, maybe applying it, bringing it into work or talking to you know, investigating it more and considering, does it, is this going to work well at my work, right? Mm-hmm. What conditions is NX potentially something you should be thinking about? You know, what environments and what are it not, right? Like right. if I'm building a, a, a blog for myself and I'm going to spend at least anywhere between four and six hours building it and that's it. Is NX a, a big absolute must for a situation like that? I would say, it, of course, with everything, it depends. If you're NX helps you to build out, you know, basically structure your application in a way where you're breaking things out into libraries and apps. So the, I think some of the criteria is if you're working on like a large team, look, because our focus is enterprise. So large teams, I want to take advantage of the, the monorepo approach. So you have your one app or multiple apps in a monorepo. If you're going to be breaking things out that you know are going to be into smaller separate libraries that can be reused across your application. So if something in your blog would, you could build a library that your blog app consumes and then maybe you come along with another app down the road and you want to use that same library there. It provides, like I said, it provides that tooling around uh, being able to build apps and libraries easily and then being able to build those, you know, you can see it like dependency graph of where the 
libraries, uh, the dependencies of an, library, an application and its libraries. It really helps you organize how you would structure out a project. You know, so if if you know you're going to have multiple apps and multiple libraries that will be consumed in your monorepo, then I think it makes a very good fit there. But you're not going to take like a Hello World application and use NX for it just because you're. I mean, not to say that you couldn't, but I don't. I wouldn't see the point because you're you're not going to be breaking libraries out of an application like that. Has the Tour of Heroes been updated with NX? It has not, but I'm pretty sure someone has built, uh, has taken Tour of Heroes and broken broken it out into NX libraries or NX libs and, and apps. So, Joe, Joe, you're sarcasm. <laughs> I caught a little bit of it. <laughs> I was going to say, when he back on his Svelte comment, when was he going to support Svelte? I was like, hey. <laughs> let's record let's, let's let's everyone remember this episode <laughs> one day there's gonna be a smelt conf <laughs> i'm predicting that joe will run ng-conf react conf and smelt conf so in his sarcasm I want to go full circle on this episode and bring it back to him. It was difficult to detect, but my belief that Svelte's gonna rule the world is actually relatively high. <laughs> I think it's coming. All right. I felt I like, kind of breeze still feel like the sarcasm level's high. All right, let's I wanna I wanna hear I wanna breeze past my sarcasm level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so NX is all about like managing a big project with a lot of libraries, separate components, right? If I'm just gonna be like just one one project, one mod essentially one like module. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, one workspace. I'm not gonna be dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, obviously we <laughs> Oh, gosh. Here comes my sarcasm level again. <laughs> I want to talk about how much I hate the pattern of creating a separate module for every routing table. In fact, we've got to have 85 different modules, for uh, one module per, per component in our project. I hate that. But like medium to small size projects you know, or just you know, like the, single the, thing. You know, like the scam. The scam. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <ew>. Scam. <laughs> we were sold a bill of sale. Just poking the bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scams is scam, you know. So how does, uh, is there much of an effect with uh, NX changing with uh, Ivy here on the horizon? Not in the near term. There will be support for it, but I don't think that there will be big changes once Ivy comes along. I mean, the, the goal is for you to be able to generate in a project with NX that supports Ivy just like you do today and you continue to, you know, move on as, you know, as is. I'm pretty sure we'll have to provide some support for uh, apps that want to turn Ivy on for their, you know, existing workspaces. I haven't seen anything that would imply significant changes as of yet. Okay. Is NX, like, a deep subject to really learn or is it more about the amount of effort it takes to really apply to a big to a project, whether it's an existing big project, mm-hmm. and and go through and refactor it to use NX, or as you're building it, just it's just the time it takes to actually implement NX through the project. Whereas, it, does it itself have a lot to learn, or is it more like a small thing, but it just really changes how you build things in the in the libraries and stuff? I would say it's a small thing to learn. The pattern of using monorepos itself, I think, is a little more to to bite off, but. The application of using that with NX, I think, is relatively straightforward because even if you have an existing project and you want to create a workspace out of it, NX has support for that. So it will if you have an existing Angular CLI project, you can add NX to it 
and it will move your the structure of your application into an NX workspace structure. So at least onboarding there, there's support for it to do that. And then you could start there and then start to break away the pieces of your cool. application into smaller libraries if you wanted to. Cool. Because yeah, I've talked to a friend of mine who actually, who's actually doing that. They are using just a regular uh, CLI workspace right now. And then they're going to slowly migrate to NX and uh, bring in, you know, their application and then start to see where the the shared dependencies are and move those into separate libraries so they can use them, you know, consistently across other applications that they'll have. From my understanding of this, you do both React development and Angular development. Is that true? No, I'm I'm strictly Angular myself. But yeah, I'm I'm fully tied into the Angular camp. But yeah, NX, like I said, su- su- provide support for if you want to build React applications. So if there's a fight at an Angular React, <laughs> you're joining one of the sides. I'm standing on the Angular side for sure. <laughs> That's fair. Everyone, everyone's got their thing, right? Yep. What about NGRX 9? What's new in NGRX 9? NGRX 9? Well, there's a few things. We're looking at support for Ivy. Uh, we've kind of hinted at this, you know, kind of out in the open already. We've opened an issue an RFC for uh, adding, like expanding the platform. So we're basically, we, we want to like ramp up the level of reactivity in it that's provided uh, in Angular. So we want to be able to access more reactive APIs from like coming out of the component. Uh, Michael Lackey is, is the one who opened the issue in RFC and he's already done some work on bringing those reactive APIs into uh, NGRX because uh, what we wanted to do is like expand the platform, give more opportunities for people to contribute uh, libraries. They'll, they will be more experimental in nature for now, but the goal is to have these established APIs and things that we can extend from uh, and the framework itself until though, you know, hopefully one day those things will be in like first party APIs. But what we really want to do is fo- for this next version is, like I said, focus on support for Ivy, being able to easily connect store to components without, you know, I guess an idea would be to use it without actually having to inject the store yourself. So we actually connect your components to the store without you having to do that manually. And then all our React hooks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Those are the, I think, probably the big things that we're are targeting for version nine mm-hmm. is more support for Ivy and the more reactive API, starting with what he proposed as would be NGRX component, which is observable lifecycle hooks and observables from the template, uh, which was another library Dominic M has been working on yes. that we're looking at possibly adding all, adding support for also. It sounds like, I mean, I heard one time a vision mm-hmm. that NGRX wouldn't mean NGRX store anymore. Because yep. right now they're kind of ubiquitous. They mean the same thing, right? I don't yep. get it. What do you mean? Like, well, the people is gone. People say NGRX, they mean NGRX like the the, the store, mm-hmm. but NGRX is supposed to mean Angular plus RxJS. Reactive Angular is what it's supposed to stand for. So, right. There's the idea that you could add other things besides the store into NGRX, like Latkey's mm-hmm. NGRX component is an example. Or Dominic Elm's reactive lifecycle hooks to the component, like right? Or sorry, his template, uh, his yep. reactive template stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, 
Are you working on a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. They update the class regularly for the most current Angular, and a lot of the curriculum is also relevant to older versions. Or you can go beyond the three-day class with help from Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. They can assist your team or launch your project, including scalability, data flow, state management, service architecture, full-stack product design, and a ton more. Or you can contact them for a private class at your location or attend public classes in cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. So are you saying that that's, you guys are officially moving in that direction of like kind of the rebrand of NGRX as the center for reactive Angular and it will have the store as a part of it and it will have other things too? Yes. We've like handed that this on like probably on social media that NGRX has always been more about just state management. I mean, state management is obviously obviously the, of course, the largest thing we have today. Um, But it wasn't, I guess that wasn't always the case. We used to have, we used to have libraries for routing and web notification or browser notifications and IndexedDB. And uh, we eventually moved away from those libraries, the router one probably being the most significant one of that one, just because it, it, the router turned into the Angular router. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but yeah, the the Angular router we built that, and it eventually it was the the precursor to the Angular router at the time. So yeah, we've built reactive libraries for Angular in the past, and we want to get back to that and just being something more than just state management, even though it's the most popular. Because I think there still are some, still are some interesting. Uh, libraries and use cases we could satisfy that are outside the framework today that would be a good extension point for developers to use. I would love to see your router because... um... (laughs) Actually, a few months ago, you know, when they first... Because the the router we built was actually like pre-NG modules. And so it just used components and had lazy loading and everything else. It was was simple. It was great. And... uh, we went with the, it got merged into the Angular router. And then I, a few months ago, actually, you know, did a build of Ivy with the old NGRX router and actually got it working without much effort. So we could actually take what's there today if it, if you really wanted to play around with it with the Ivy and it would just work. Doesn't the, uh, the Angular router add like 50K to my bundle <laughs> just because I added it? Like, is it pretty big? That's why I'm like, when you said another router, I'm like, hello, because <laughs> I'd love to have a router that has such a footprint, right? Yeah, the one, the Andrews router had, had a much smaller footprint and a much smaller, I think, mental model than, than you had to have for the Angular router. And the Angular router had to serve a lot more, a lot of different use cases, more, maybe more advanced use cases than Andreas router was, or we maybe we took it. We different took a different approach in how we solved those problems. But but yeah, the, the Angular router is very minimal com- compared to the Angular router, hmm. and that was intentional because we wanted it to be lightweight. We wanted it to be fully reactive, and we wanted to support, uh, like I said, a, a simpler like mental model of basically which for reactivity for us is. At core, it's just observable in, observable out. So the router would be a stream of your browser URL 
a stream of your URL basically translated into components. And then the inputs are like query params and route params are just observables that you, you know, listen to. So that was the the model there. We didn't, we didn't have like a tree of, you know, tree of activated routes and different ways to, you know, traverse up and down the, the route tree. It was, like I said, it was a lot, it was a lot more simple in, in nature. And therefore we didn't have to, and then it was the the size of the router itself wasn't that big as a result. That's cool. So I heard Joe actually. You're, Joe, you're the one that sent me that uh, link to the RFC stuff. That's actually pretty cool. I didn't uh, I didn't understand that's all the, what that meant was kind of like a hey, let's formalize how people can submit to and add to NGRX. So that's actually pretty awesome. So how would you implement component? Would you like have? Would you say like? would you implement some sort of an NGRX component class or something, or how would that work? Would you use well, decorators or what? Right now the RFC uses, it uses a mix. Well, I think it uses mostly decorators. And what we're looking at doing is to see if we can do that without the use of decorators and kind of similar to what we have in uh, NGRX where you're just using functions to decorate the particular properties or things that you want to create observables out of. So that's one thing that's up for discussion there is how we go about doing that, whether we do decorator. If we if we have to do decorators, then we're looking at maybe trying to do the same thing that the like the compiler does and down leveling of the decorators so that they don't get uh, included in the bundle like they are today. So I'm just going to kind of talk this down a little bit. I think this is something Shai does really well. He helps the listener better than I normally do. To have reactive lifecycle hooks, what that would mean is like instead of having like an ng on changes function that that, mm-hmm. that has like that takes the parameter, instead of that you'd have an ng on changes observable on your component, mm-hmm. and if you want to get data out of that, you could just subscribe to it. Or I mean, ideally you're not subscribing, but you're flowing into other data, into other observable streams. You know, you're combining into something else. So, and a lot of people manually do that today a lot right like i know i have i've taken the ng on changes and i've made a behavior subject and anytime there's a change i put it into the behavior subject and mm-hmm. i move on so and a lot of people are doing that so what they're talking about is just formalizing like the same life cycle hooks you already know and love in angular just kind of putting those and making them reactive like making them observable based instead of like tuning into life cycle hooks with a function you tune in through an observable so it'd be similar but slightly different yeah, so that's cool. I'm actually excited about that. that. That's actually really fun. Yeah, I mean, I know there have been plenty of issues in the Angular repo of how can we make these APIs more reactive. I mean, I think Angular has already tied itself to Rx, RxJS pretty heavily uh, already. So oh, the question has always been, how can we take that next step in uh, these APIs that exist today? Like you said, it's just functions and make them more reactive so that we can you know, compose and combine those streams together to get things out of the template, you know, in a reactive way, instead of having to listen for events and create subjects and push data into those subjects to create our own streams and make them like first party. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Kind of like spelt. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like spelt. Yeah. No, Rob talks about this a lot, but, uh, he talks about like another a lot of library, CycleJS, and it's a real big on uh, 
keeping that 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 cycle going of observables in, observables out, and yeah. everything being reactive. So I think he said that many times of trying to head in that direction, and if we're trying to see if we can, you know, meet that, make a good API or not a compromise, but a good direction out of uh, using those APIs. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, knowing that you're you're starting to look at this component proposal and maybe Dominic's. Those are two pretty cool starts. Can we get a little bit more info about Dominic's that reactive templates? Sure. Yeah. So Dominic's reactive template or template streams, the library is called today, is that you can add a special syntax to your uh, Angular templates. And how it works today is he uses, I think you have to use a custom builder and a custom transformer. So it looks at your the HTML, the AST for your HTML and looks for that special syntax and creates an observable uh, as it using the transform. So that way, when you're using it, when you need to get at that observable in your component, I think believe it's just using decorators today, but you can have a, a decorator that will expose that temp, that information coming from your template as an observable without you having to use like view child or uh, something so, like that. So I think it's using some of those underneath, but... Yeah, like I said, it's special syntax that you can use, and then he's transforming that into observables that you can consume. So, Joe, just to kind of give you like a hello world of this example, right? So imagine you have a button, and today we know how to get a click event out of the button, right? We just do parentheses click equals some function, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine, though, if on that same button, instead of like parentheses click, imagine if you said dollar sign my click and now your component has a my click observable on it the outputs the click events does that make sense so it's a way to subscribe to events but reactively rather than through click event handlers you know which is not that it's not reactive it's just not it's not staying in the observable life cycle so you have to go out of observables get the click yeah. About putting this into NGRX too, then, or we hope so one day. His template streams sounds like potential. That's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, we're right. potentially. Yep, we're potentially looking at uh, bringing that in as a as a library, or it will be part of the uh, NGRX component uh, library. Is something that you could you could additionally use. So yeah. yeah, we've been in discussions with him, and like I said, Michael has his proposal of the hooks and the the streams to add to, or that would, you know, expose some of those additional APIs to use. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. What else you got? What else is cool? <laughs> what else is cool? <laughs> I think those are the big things that we're focusing on right now with Ivy coming up. Like I said, we're looking at trying to connect, making connecting the store to your components easier. Uh, so maybe you define your, I'm, I'm speaking of course, hypothetically, but, maybe you define your component and you can hook your selectors into your component. So it's no longer, you know, aware that it's being, you know, controlled by the store. It's just, it's basically like it would be using inputs, like it was a, a presentation component, but it's hooked up in a smart way. So that was yeah. the other big thing they were looking at since Ivy makes that easier. So that'll be something that we'll, we'll target uh, also. In That'd be nice. Coming time. That'd be nice because currently the way people people have to manually abstract that through like a facade, right? Mm -hmm. 
So it'd be cool to have that built in. I mean, facades could kind of go away, which could settle yeah. that debate. Right? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they, it will. It will. Uh, could you be friends again. <laughs> Yeah, it would it would definitely make the use of facades optional if if your component didn't even have to know uh, explicitly about the store. But yeah, I don't I don't think facades are going away anytime soon. So I'm gonna, yeah, I think they're still going to be around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, honestly, when I when we do this podcast and there's people like you and other people that have come on that are doing so much for the community, it's just it's kind of humbling to be honest. To be like, wow, like. When so Brandon goes home tonight, <laughs> Brandon's gonna like do this stuff we just talked about, <laughs> you know. And it's pretty cool. So I just, I guess, I'm kind of feeling thankful right now. So I guess I'll say thanks. Hey, thank. I, I appreciate it. I I appreciate when you know people thank me for what I do. But I, like I said, I've I started out, you know, just as a community contributor and moved along the path of working on the team and being able to contribute to a library that helps a lot of people. So like I said, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to, to be a part of it. So I know I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. One ambition I had early on in my career was actually to build iOS apps. And so of course my solution was to start a podcast talking about how to build iOS apps. And so we asked around, we got some ideas and eventually Josh Susser from the Ruby Rogues podcast put up the idea of the iFreaks show. And that's what we called it. You can find it at iFreakshow.com. And every week we're talking about iOS development and Swift and Objective-C and libraries and reactive programming and all of the things that go into making good iOS apps. I don't run the show anymore, but we've got Andrew Madsen who puts together the curriculum for Lambda School. We've got James Uber who's been doing iOS development as a freelancer for a long time. We've got Mike Holt, who's a good friend of mine, who's worked in Xamarin and in Swift and currently does a bunch of interesting work on that. And we've got other people that we're bringing in all the time to make that show better. So if you're trying to keep up on all of the advancements that Apple makes, all of the announcements from WWDC, and you want to hear from people who are doing this day in and day out and talking about it and teaching people about it and doing the work with it, then you definitely need to check out iFreaks. You can find it at ifreaksshow.com. That's I-P-H-R-E-A-K-S show.com. So let's move on to the picks. Anyone want to go first? With Alyssa, I guess I'll let you go first so that I can't, nothing, no one can be accused of taking your pick. She's just going to pick the donkey cart. We all know it. Donkey cart. Okay, well, first of all, the independent donkeys of the <laughs> Midwest <laughs> America are definitely going to become one of their advocates. But also, so we're talking about Dominic Elm's template streams, and we had him on Angular Air, I think, like three weeks ago. So head on over to YouTube if you want to uh, see him kind of playing around with it and showing it more in depth because <laughs> they'd be cool. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dom, old Dom Elm, he was a uh, he was a hero dev, yo. He hero devs with the hero devs. Hey, that's that's cool. Does he dev with the heroes? He does with the heroes, and he he heroes with the devs. He's he's pretty. Oh, while wearing a cape. I don't know about the cape. <laughs> Capes optional. That's our uh, do hero devs are they required to wear capes while programming? Capes are optional. Capes are optional. You ever watched The Incredibles? Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. I was gonna say, uh, aren't capes uh, bad for you? But tights are not optional. Tights are, <laughs> tights are not optional. No, tights mandatory, but we do have capes optional. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right. Alyssa, that's your pick. Any other picks? No, but I just want to shout out and thank thank you, Brandon, for coming on this show. I appreciate you, man. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Jose, you want to go or I'll go? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I like to pick board games. One of my favorite things to pick. Yeah. Played a board game yesterday. I haven't played it. I played some, a couple of new board games recently. So this is going to be a, a twofer. It's a twofer. So there's a brand new board game out called Roll for Adventure. Absolutely fantastic. Probably going to go pick up my own copy tonight on the way it sounds to... Sounds like a board game version of the D&D? I mean, it, it, in essence, but it's boiled down to even... There, there, are, there are definitely plenty of board games that have a D&D-esque feel. For example, there's a bunch of D&D-branded board games like Castle Ravenloft and something with the name Drizzt in it and uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. There are board games that really... F- or like uh, Dungeons and Dragons in that you're playing on character and you're going through a dungeon and try and f- killing monsters. This is abstracted down or up another level, I would say. It's a fun dice rolling game. You have some dice and everybody else has some dice. And you're all working together and there's these monsters. So you take your turn, you roll these dice, you have all these places on the board where you can decide to place your dice and then a monster comes out and then the monster attacks at a certain place. And then when there's monsters out, you can also use your dice to attack the monsters. If too many monsters come out and you don't kill the monsters off, then you die. There's all these conditions Wait, that kill you. You're going to go pick up the game, but you know about it. So oh, I played it on Monday. I don't have my own copy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I love dice rolling games. And it's one of those, you roll dice and there's a lot of places you have to, and you, and you have the Yahtzee mechanic. You have to keep at least one and then you can re-roll and you can keep doing that. And you have six or five, but then some of your dice might get locked up. So you're in your next round, you only have three dice to roll. And it, it was super cool. It was very difficult. We played it, my friends played it twice and then we came and we played it once. We finally won it with on the third try. So it's, it was pretty challenging. And there's, there's varying challenging levels and different levels to actually play on super fun game my other pick is an older game uh, i was printed a couple of years ago it's kind of out of print now it's hard to find i was looking around close like i find was like on ebay but called stop thief and it requires an app you have a little need a little phone app and you're investigators and there's this like there's these like four buildings and there's these pathways through the building and these thieves are invisible the only the app knows where they are and they're moving around and you get clues. And the clues are always sounds. It might be the sound of the thief walking or the sound of the thief breaking glass, which means he went through a window. And so you can look and see, all right, based on the fact that he was walking inside a building and then he broke a window and then he was walking outside, he must be either here, here, or here. Then you can go to one of those places and see and check and see if he's there. And then the other players are trying to do the same thing at the same time. And it's actually a really super fun game. It, it has a lot of logic because there's all, you know, as you get more information, it limits the number of places he could be. But there's some value in risking and trying and saying, well, I, he, he could be in one of these four plays. I'm going to try one of them and get, you get lucky and, and you catch him. And so you get the reward and the first person to capture like three or four people wins the game. Or, so super fun game. Really like that one too. Stop Thief. So Stop, stop Thief. That was my picks. Dems the picks. All right. I'm going to pick the swap meet. Go to your local swap meet is all I'm saying. Uh, I went for the first time. And now I can't say I've never been because I have. And here's what happened when I was there. They have cool knockoff sports jerseys. And they're cheap. So I was able to get some. So that was cool. Gourmet Mexican ice cream was cool. I'm just picking your local swap meet. Okay, yeah. I don't even know what's at it. Go to it though. I thought you were gonna say you got like a, a Michael Jordan Utah Jazz jersey or something. Yeah, I got <laughs> Michael Gordon Utah Jazz. No, uh, <laughs> no, just go to the swap. It's cool. I have a, a swap meet pig. That's uh, a yeah. 
We call them swap meat pig. It's a stuffed, large, quilted pig. And we got it from a swap meat, so it's swap meat pig. Swap meat pig. Yeah, I'm picking the whole swap meat. Not the one here, but all the swap meats. Go to your local swap meat. Support support the people at the swap meet. And then I'm going to pick Major League Soccer because I love it. It's my favorite sport right now, I think, is the MLS. So check out, well, that and international play as well. But yeah, check out check out the MLS. All right, Brandon, you got some picks? I will pick a couple of conferences. One conference is called uh, Connect Tech. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. And they have, uh, I think it's like the biggest tech conference in the South. And they have a lot of uh, different tracks. They have like a dedicated Angular track. So there'll be a lot of Angular talks there. Or I think uh, they'll be talking about, I'm doing a talk on Reactive Angular. There'll be talks on NGRX and some other other things too. So I'll check that one out. And the other one is the NWA Tech Summit, which is going to be in Arkansas uh, in October. Uh, It's nwatechsummit.com. We'll be doing some Angular. They have an Angular track there, and I'll be giving a talk there. So I would say to check those out. Nice. Actually, now that you said that, it reminded me I need to pick another conference. Sorry. Joe, I feel bad. I said I was going to do this and did it. Utah JS Conf. Our JS Conf's coming up. If you're, if you're kind of local to Utah and you're looking for some, some good fun, some good teaching, yeah, head over to conf.utahjazz.com. Get get you some of them tickets. Dems tickets. Dems tickets gonna get sold out, but get you some Dems tickets. All right. Okay, Brandon, thanks for coming on. Hey, if anyone wants to reach out to you, is there a better way to get in touch with you that you can- sure. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, my handle is Brandon T. Roberts. I talk about basketball and sports and I talk about blocking people and I just have I have fun on Twitter. So you talk about what people? I talk about blocking people on Twitter. Blocking people. Yes. Like blocking the people on the Twitters or in basketball? Uh, both. No, <laughs> I talk about blocking <laughs> people on Twitter, but yes. <laughs> Mainly if you mention the word, the word boilerplate, then I'm, I'm going to be likely to block you on Twitter. <laughs> but only for fun. Wait, so. What if we're, we were talking about a physical boilerplate, like a, a, a plate that boils things? Is that acceptable? <laughs> that, uh, yes, sure. that, that, that's acceptable. That hey, is acceptable. Okay. <laughs> I got a boilerplate. <laughs> I broil my steak on it. It's got a boil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That can that can slide. My George Foreman is that off limits. Yeah, the broiler, the George Foreman. No, the broiler, broiler plates are fine. It's broiler, broiler plates. Good. Boiler plates, yes. plates, not okay. Boiler plates will get you blocked. Nice. <laughs> All right, everyone. Go give Brandon Roberts a follow and reach out to him with questions. And I'm just going to say thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And to the listeners, we'll say thanks and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more.